Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, today we start our new series. I think it's going to be nine weeks, um, but we'll see what the Spirit does. Um, nine weeks talking about God being a story changer. It's no way in the world you're a believer in Jesus Christ if your story has not been changed. Um, today's uh, message reminds me of uh, my nerdiness as a, as a Star Wars fan. Um, uh, uh, the reason being is a lot of people don't know that the story that you know as Star Wars wasn't originally written that way. Um, he actually gave people on his team, uh, 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 he, he wrote a story and then he, create, he wanted them to create different characters within the story. And actually, Luke Skywalker was supposed to be a woman. And, um, and then, uh, and, and it was supposed to be about her lone journey uh, uh, from light to darkness, from darkness to light sort of thing. And Chewbacca looked different. He looked more like an Ewok than anything else. Some of y'all don't know what in the world I'm talking about. Watch the movie. Um, you know, I, I mean, it, it looked real corny. And, um, and, and, and Lucas noticed the corniness of the story and he expanded the story and, and told the guys that was working with him, I'm going to reframe this story, but based on the way I'm framing this story, I need you to change the characters and expand the character of this to reflect the larger story that I want to communicate. And so from that reality, we have our current story where it's about a family of Skywalkers who uh, find redemption in a larger story that carries on even to the next trilogy that's coming out next year starting. And, and this reminds me of God's way as the creator of uh, our narrative or the story of big creation. Um, in, in, in academia, there are three concepts that I want to redeem and hijack for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a, 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 somebody say meta-narrative. Meta somebody say macro-narrative. And somebody say micro-narrative. Now, most of us are very familiar with micro-narrative. Micro-narrative is your personal story. Macro-narrative is everybody's story in link with one another. But meta-narrative is the story of the one who oversees all of it. And the problem with many of us is we focus on our macro-narrative. Most of our life is about me and my journey and my job and my degree and my money and my life and my trajectory and my family, my children, my singleness, my, 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 my. And, and so, but, but we were not created for my journey. Okay, you, you weren't created for the, the micro-narrative. But then, but, then, but then secular humanism has grabbed the macro narrative and it's always trying to rewrite its narrative, if you will, of humanity. Uh, 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 but, but the, so that's the, that's the connection. One. The meta narrative is God's glorifying intent through all creation. That means that the micro narrative must, must, must reflect uh, the macro narrative and the macro narrative and the micro narrative must reflect the meta narrative. In other words, God's big picture for his glory in all things finds, uh, uh, finds its application throughout every aspect of our lives. And, and I just came by to let you know that God came, here, came by here today to let you know that he's here to hijack your story. He, he wants to remind you that your story doesn't belong to him because he wants to take your story and make his story. Somebody going to catch that on the way home. And, and, and in God doing that, he, he, he is going to, listen to me, he's going to interrupt your life. Yes. Yes. Uh, let, let me see. I'm by myself. See, th there are three ways that God interrupts your life. Justification, yes. 
sanctification and glorification. Y'all looking at me funny. Uh, uh, if God did not interrupt your life as a believer, you wouldn't know him. So first you have to be taken from spiritual darkness to spiritual life. In other words, like the L, you got to transfer. And Christ is the transfer to take you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his marvelous son. That's the initial change of you being connected to the meta-narrative. The problem is, is you still got micro-issues. So sanctification is God's process where he deals with the micro to connect it to the meta. Are y'all still trekking with me today? And so what he does is he challenges you in every single area of your life to sanctify your journey to connect your journey with his journey. Now, God ain't really going anywhere because he's everywhere. So the micro-narrative is you connecting with the fact that God is everywhere and there's no way you can run, so you might as well plug your journey into his. And so, and, so, and so we come to what I believe is a great passage to talk about the interrupter of lives. He interrupts the life of a man that is enjoying life. He, he, he grew, I mean, I mean you got to understand, back in that day, they didn't necessarily have a lot of cities at this point, so your family was your city. It was a nomadic society, and so as a nomadic society, you would be with your family. So when your dad built the, the patriarch of the family, uh, would provide and develop inheritances, and they would live off the land, and everybody would, would have huts or houses or homes all around each other, which would make up their little village or family. And, and, and so he, he, his dad's got loot. He, he got the love of his life, and he's around land. Uh, but the interrupter of lives, he does something crazy. And I want you to give look at the backdrop of this so that you can really get clearly what God is talking about in this passage and how he changes stories. Look at what it says here. Right here in verse 27 of chapter 11, it says, Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abraham, Nahor, uh, and, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah, in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no children. I want you to underline that. Terah, that's Pops, took Abram, his son and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the, the, uh, the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Underline that. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. It's interesting here that when we begin to look at chapter 12, chapter 11 gives us a framing background picture of how powerful what God says to Abraham is in verses 1 through 9, and chapters 15, chapter 16, chapter 18, and the, in the full fulfillment of what God wanted to do in hijacking the life of Abraham. And so the Bible says, which brings us to our first point, our first point is when God changes your story, he calls you to comprehensive radical obedience. When God changes your story, he calls you to comprehensive. Somebody say comprehensive. Comprehensive, comprehensive radical obedience. Look what he says right here in verse 1. He says, now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth 
from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, I want you to understand how crazy this is. Well, later on, you'll recognize that God didn't call Abraham in Haran. He called him in Ur. Genesis chapter 15, verse 7 says, God gave him this word in Ur, not in Haran. So he had already heard it. So what happened was, is you see that what happens is, is you see that Abram, uh, his dad, Terah, took him so that they could go to Canaan. So that means Abraham told his dad about what God wanted him to do. But if you look at what God told Abraham to do, Abraham was disobedient to God's original word to him. Because the Bible says, go from your country. That means the idolatry in the land of the Chaldeans that he was connected to. Go from your country, the culture that you're used to, everything that you're used to. Not only go from there, but go from your kindred. That's your cousin, your, everybody. And all that you're relationally used to. I'm talking to somebody here. And, and he, he, wants, he wants to interrupt the relational connections that he had. But then not only that, go from your daddy's house. So that means, that means that, that, that what's interesting is he tells him not to go to, but he tells him to go from. Listen to me. Most of us think that our calling is about what we're going to. But, but, but really, God is calling you from some stuff. Because, 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 because you can't see where you're going until you push back away from what is behind you. See, see, look up here. He said, he said, from your country, all this belong to you, your country, your kindred, your father's house. You got to understand, father's house was comfort. He could wait on his inheritance. Pops had loot. He was taken care of. It's crazy, right? And, and, but, but, but God is calling him from some stuff. Listen to me. There's some stuff in your life that you're not going to be able to go to some stuff until you decide you're going to walk away from some stuff. There's some people in your life right now, they're nice, but they're not right. Tell me today. There's some people in your life that's good, but they're not great for what God wants you to do. And so, and so you got to decide. See, you got you to see what, what, what he ended up doing. Listen to me today. Listen to me today. Ah, slow down, Pastor. What, 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 it said he took, later on it's going to say Abraham took. Terah took, Abraham took. In other words, he tried to include in his calling people who weren't called to go with him. In other words, you can't make people comfortable with what God called you to do. See, some of us are so insecure that we don't feel good about going until everybody agrees. And so what happened is, is the Bible said when Abraham's father led the journey of what God called Abraham to do, they stopped in Haran from Ur. He got the word in Ur, stopped in Haran, and the text says they settled there. It, it, if, 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 if you take illegitimate relationships into a legitimate journey, you're always going to settle. God didn't tell Abraham, take your family. He said, go from your family. What's powerful about our journey in Christ is, 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 this, is this is a huge calling for us to begin to move forward in the ways God wants us to in going and going and going and going. In other words, he wanted him to go from all of his comfort zones. You know you're called if where God is sending you, you feel uncomfortable. When you feel uncomfortable, you scared. 
Isn't that God? Not, not God. For real, for real, though? You ever ask God for real, for real, though? Now, you ain't say it verbally. You said it in your heart. See, it, see, it, see in your body, you say, hey, God, hallelujah. In your heart, you're like, I don't know, you know? See, some of y'all, see, some of y'all are spiritual. Y'all are dancing, do all that. But in your heart, you ain't really there. You say hallelujah, but hellaciousness is in your heart. Help me today, God. And so what he does, what's interesting is he goes from your, 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 and then he says, from your father's house, he said, now this is crazy, to a land that I will show you. So that means that when Abraham told Sarah that they were supposed to go somewhere, he didn't know where he was going. <laughs> ladies, uh, just imagine, ladies. I just, I'm just talking to the ladies now. Your husband say, we supposed to leave. Where? I don't know. Just pack up everything. We got the U-Haul packed. We got to start moving. Can you imagine that, ladies? Now, ladies, now, this is not the normal him just trying to be machoized in his stupidity to not find out the actual address and get the way to chart there because he thinks he knows his way there. This time, he's actually called. All right? This time, he's actually called. And so, and, and so in other words, God wasn't going to show until he go. There's certain things... <laughs> that God won't do until you go. I remember my wife and I, I was pastoring a church in a, in a city that will go unnamed, and I remember she was pregnant with Manny uh, on the liver transplant list. She was third on the list. We had good insurance. I'm talking about good insurance, hallelujah. Um, a PPO joint where you just go. You ain't got to get no referral. You know what I'm saying? You just go to wherever you need. You know, um, and, and so we was good, and I was, I was just, you know, get, getting to know people, and, we, you know, I was teaching at the Bible college, 26 years old, you know, a young buck in the Bible college, you know, you know, I was in there doing work, I was, it was fun, man, you know what I'm saying, and, and I was, and, and I got comfortable, and, and, and one day, uh, uh, we took some time off, and on a Sunday, we did church at home with each other, and, and, and we're sitting there, and and my wife did her devotional time, I did mine, and we came together, and I started leading us in family worship time, and, and I went to Genesis 12, and she starts giggling, and I look at what's wrong. I was just reading that too, and, and, and I said, I believe the Lord is telling us to resign tomorrow. My wife was like, he said the same thing to me. I was like, through the verse? She said, I was reading the same verses. I was like, wow. And I said, now, babe, um... Because, see, I was expecting her not to feel it. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, don't, I, I ain't playing for this, right? So I'm sitting there like, now, 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 now. Um, now, you know you're pregnant, right? Yeah. You know you got a liver disease, and that's a pre-existing condition. And if we get out of this insurance plan when we get to quit this job, that you'll have a pre-existing condition, meaning you won't be able to get insurance. Yes. I'm like, where are the obstacles, God? Like, something was supposed to come up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Help me to stay. But, 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 but God, and, and, and we, and, and, and I was scared. I gave him my resignation. The church was like, nah, we want you to stay. We'll do this for you. We'll do that for you. And I was like, oh, man. And, and I was walking out the door with the resignation, and God said, no, give it back. You know how the Holy Ghost, I'm not saying he verbally talked, but he do that thing with my jiggles. I don't know. I don't even know what the. I don't even know the verse for it. It's just something he just be doing, and you be like, ow, 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 whoa, 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 I tap out. You know what I'm saying? You're like, all right. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so I'm like, um, I, I, I can't do it. You sure? 
I'm sure we had one month savings. These were the lean seasons, so to have one month savings, that was the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. Um, <laughs> it was lean. We quit, lost insurance. Soon as I quit, I got five job offers from people that didn't even know I quit. God sometimes won't open doors until you go. Let me, let me just tell you something. See, help me today, God. See, some of y'all, when God shows you what to do, you want him to show you the journey. But let me just tell you something. He loves you enough to not show you all the demons on the way. Listen, in the Bible, God doesn't really tell the called much about the process. Because God told me the process of all the hell in between. From, I'd have been, oh, no, man, I'm, I'm gone up out of this mug, man. I'm, I'm gone, you know what I'm saying? I'd have ran. I'd have ran up out of there. But God loves us enough to let us to deal with demons in process. But the issue we wouldn't see on the HD journey is him being with us. We'll focus on the storm. So God has to show you one storm at a time. If you, if you knew the storms that you was going to go through, you would never went, and you would have never known how good God is. <laughs> and so, 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 so you can't grow till you go. So he, so he, said, he said, go uh, from everything that's familiar to you, that you've been safely, but he loves to take you out of your comfort zone. <laughs> that's what the Bible says, and the righteous shall live by faith. And so, next point, I got to go to the next point. We can stay on that all, all day. When God changes your story, your story is bigger than your story. When God changes your story, your story is bigger than your story. He says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. This is interesting. Sarah doesn't have any children. But God tells him, without anything and without any prospects, a, pro, a prospect of blessing, that he was going to do something that was impossible. Yes. Whenever you know you're called to do something or called away from something, when God is calling to you something you cannot do. Yes. If you feel overwhelmed, that's good. Because if you feel like, oh, this, I can make this happen. Oh, don't go. Don't, don't run away from that. That's you. That's you. If you feel like, oh, I got this in place. I'm not saying you don't. You, I'm just saying you can't feel like everything can happen on you. Because if your calling's on you, you're in trouble. You need to feel like it's too big for you. Then you're ready to go. You can't go until it's too much. Because God only calls you to where you need him. God never calls you to where he needs you. Oh, you thought it was about you, didn't you? You thought it was about you, didn't you? Oh, you patting yourself on the back when you got your little calling. But your calling ain't big. God can use anybody. But calling is about you learning your necessity for him. Also, being a Christian is having the gateway of your heart, mind, and eyes open up to your neediness for him. Yeah. If you don't need God, I'm scared for you. Yeah. Scared. Yeah. Scared if you don't need him. Yeah. And, if, and if you say the Christian life is boring, 
I, I, I want to I, I see your salvation certificate. Because the Christian life is a saga. It got ups and it got downs. I mean, it got turns. It got, it got some stuff turned. Something always happening. But, but, but every now and then, God got to put you in a situation where he going to make you pray. Yeah, see, y'all looking at me funny. See, some of y'all, some of, some of y'all, everything going well. You skipping and getting your little coffee. Hi, how you doing? Hey, what's up? You know, you doing your thing. You having a nice day. Hey, everything. I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. I'm the head and not the tail. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And, and it's all nice. Yes. And then, but but what, what, what God wants to do is what happens in those seasons is your prayer life dwindles. Yes. 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 Because we don't need them. So God has to. Send stuff that makes you sweat a little bit. <laughs> when God, God, called, God calls you out of stagnance, your, your life was never meant to be stable in the sense of self-support. <laughs> your life is supposed to be in the... So, so Abraham is leaving everything that he's used to. And he's going and he's like, I don't know. And on the way, God tells him, Canaan. On the way. And he like, Canaan, like, which way? I don't even know if he knew what Canaan was. We don't even know. But he found his way there. And he said, I will bless you. And he said, I'll make your name great. In other words, I'll give value to your name that it doesn't currently have. Because you followed me, not yourself. Because your greatness will be rooted in me, not you. So you can get your brand together. You can get your website together, Abram. You know what I'm saying? You can get your cards. You can get investors. You can do all of that, Abram. But I'm not going to make you great without me. So you can, you can get your suit nice and you can go in Center City and get it tailored just to your fancy. You can get red bottoms. You can get Louis Vuitton bags. You can get the best fedoros. And you can get the nicest uh, 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 Tom Ford glasses that you can find on the market. You can get diamond earrings and you can get the nicest car. But at the end of the day, those things don't make you great. Some of you that want to start a business, you want to be great. Some of you that want to do what you're trying, you're trying to be great. But if your name isn't to make God's name great, then it will not be great. I'm getting my boss on. See, that's why he's not going to bless you. I'm a boss dude. I'm a boss chick. I'm like, be quiet. And submit to the boss. Tell me what you a boss, man. I wish you would. I wish one of y'all would be on a reality TV show. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, but anyway. I'll, we'll talk about that later. That's another sermon. So I'll make you great. And he said, I'll, so I'll bless you. He said, so that you can be a blessing. Wow. So when God calls you to something great, you're a conduit for others. That's the meta-narrative. Your micro-narrative is a pipeline to the meta-narrative that hits the macro-narrative. Did you catch that? The connection of your story to his story blesses other stories. So Abraham's journey was to be an example, a Christological, typological example. We'll talk about it in a second. Ultimately pointing to Christ so that many would be blessed by his obedience. In other words... 
Your calling is about others being blessed by your obedience. That's why when people watch you make a hard decision, and they saw you make a hard decision, and they're like, I don't know, that person is dumb. Right? Like, oh, they're going to fall on their face. And then you go out and God meets you in it. Then when God talked to that person who was running from what God wanted them to do, they look at what God saw and did in you, and then it gives them the commitment to want to do what God has called them to do because they saw you, but really they didn't see you, they saw him. That's what the journey is about. That's what the journey is about. It's about others seeing who the living God is. And that's why you got to move. You got to move when he say move. Just like that. He says, he said, I will bless those who bless you. This is interesting. Um, the word blessing here is interesting terminology about blessing because uh, blessing uh, means to endure with power for success. It doesn't mean that you won't be successful. It just means that you will have to endure some things for the success to be brought forth. That means that God is always going to have you in a place of discomfort as you're pushing towards him in obedience. So he said, I will bless those who bless you. In other words, others will benefit from you. I will bless those who bless you as they bless you. He said, but he said, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. Now listen to this. The word, some translations translate this, whoever curses you, I will curse them. But these are two different words in Hebrew. The word, uh, uh, um, dis, uh, 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 the, the first word, um, dishonors, if you will, it's an interesting word. It means to treat you lightly. Uh, see, see, let me, let me, let me, I'm going to use some terminology here. When you're on the come up, if you will, people ain't going to take you seriously. And I'm not talking about self-exaltation, you blowing up. I'm not talking about that. But I got to use that terminology because that's all some of us understand. So on the come up, or stuff hasn't happened yet, people tend to take you lightly as things move forward. And God says, if they take you lightly, I won't let, listen, them be you, I, won't, I won't use you as a conduit for blessing for them. In other words, they'll miss out on what I want to do through you to them. That's what he said in his word. We're going to see the Christological significance in this. It's crazy. In, in, in other words, so you don't have to worry about nobody believing in you. That's not your goal anyway. Oh, nobody don't believe in me. Nobody, hey, what it's about? Get about your little pity party. Because your journey ain't about nobody believing in you. It's about you believing in him and pointing them to him, and then they believing in him because they saw him in you. So, so don't let discouraging acts of people impact your willingness to press forward. Because you will deal with discouragement. I'm a living witness. I'm a living witness of 23 years of salvation and 21 years of ministry that I've been talked about. Y'all got quiet. But I'm still going. Oh, don't, don't look at me funny. I've had haterade. Help me today, God. I've had all of that. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I'm going to keep moving and I'm going to keep going just as long as he got me. 
and people won't stop talking, they won't stop running their mouth, and the more God pushes you forward, you keep going because it's about him, not them. Listen, I done, I done had that. I don't wish for nobody's bad, but all I'm going to do is keep moving. Well, listen, we're going to plant churches, hallelujah. We're going to make disciples. We're going to see marriages restored. We're going to see single people. I'm going to have this last baby, hallelujah, no more. But um, I'm just letting y'all know I'm going to move forward. I'm going to write books. I'm going to try to minister to every color that's in the spectrum uh, that is on. I'm going to move. Listen, you better get in your mind that you're not going to let the haterade disturb the peace. Because guess what? People are going to curse you. And don't be surprised when it's. See, David said, if it would have been my enemy, I could have took that. But it was my intimate friend that I had sweet communion and sweet. We, man, we sat downtown outside under the umbrella stroller eating hamburgers and eating truffle fries and drinking fruit punch and Sprite and, and, and Shirley Temple's chilling. We cried and prayed for each other. That's the one that'll betray you. But you can't let it discourage you. Y'all ain't going to talk back to me today, but it's okay. I'll preach it just for me and my wife. <laughs> That's for us, babe. And so um, he said, I like what he says. He says, he says it powerfully. Family, he says, all the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. Now, who are the families of the earth? Global families cross ethnically, not just Jews. The Jews saw themselves... Like you look in John 8, they saw themselves as the children of Abraham. But Jesus said, I like the way John said it in John 3, 9. He said, so y'all going to say that y'all got Abraham as your father. He said, you brood vipers, who told you to go away from the, the, the wrath that is to come? He said, but bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Jesus says, Abraham longed to see my day. So in other words, the children of Abraham are not those who have the hue of Christ but have the blood of Christ. I love the way it's said in Galatians chapter 3, 29. He said, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Guess what? Now, how does this Abrahamic covenantal blessing connect and extend cross-ethnically globally? I love the way it says here, based on 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. He says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter amen to God for his glory. In other words, the promises that God gave in the Adamic covenant, the promises that God gave in the Noahic covenant, the covenant, the promises that God gave in the Edenic covenant, the Palestinian covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and all them other covenants find their full fulfillment in the new covenant. Whether you believe in the covenant of law, the covenant of grace, whatever, all of them put together from Genesis to Malachi, find their what? Root in Jesus. And therefore, you don't have to be ethnically Jew to be spiritually Jewish. And so now God unleashes through Christ. That's why he's called the key of David, because he unlocks everything. If you want God to, un there's some stuff that God wants to unlock. Now this, see, this, see, this, this, this one is good. See, y'all let the prosperity gospel have that stupidity. But then when you redeem it under Christ, there are things that God does that's good, 
that he provides for you that's not based on you. So he does provide for people. We don't want to let them hijack the fact that God blesses people. But we also believe in suffering. So we don't like to say if you're suffering, you're not in God's will. Listen, listen, you may be able to pay for some more stuff than somebody else, but you can still get cancer like somebody poor. You may not be going through a financial crisis, but God will create a crisis for your pay grade. Don't look at me crazy. Help me today, God. Anyway, that was for free. Let's keep moving. So Abraham went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old, and I would translate this, don't get on me, when he finally departed out of Haran. So he's 75 years old. We don't know when he first got his call from God. He settled, but then God still affirmed that he should go. I like the fact that it wasn't too late. I like the fact that God didn't put an expiration date on his obedience. Because if God would have put expiration dates on some of us and our obedience to him, we wouldn't have Jack. But the good thing about God, he's a gracious God, that he'll continue to do that. Come on now. Didn't I tell you go? And then, but the, you don't want to get to the point where God has to close stuff up for you to go. His dad died so he could go. He didn't leave until his daddy died. He wasn't waiting for his daddy to die. <laughs> Don't, be careful. God, don't let God have to do something to somebody for you to go. And so, and, so, and, so, and so Abraham was 75 years old when he went and said, Abraham took Sarah. So he finally went. Last point, I think. No, this is not the last point. One more point. When God changes your story, obstacles don't matter. <laughs> it didn't say obstacles aren't going to be there. Obstacles don't matter. Look at what he says. Abraham passed through the land through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moray, not Mamre, different one, at that time the Canaanites were in the land. So you got to imagine. Abraham, I don't know if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, 6 a.m., 5 in the evening, noon. I don't know when he pulled in. But he pulled his U-Haul into Canaan. Pulled it in, and it's people everywhere. Now you got to understand the frustration that had to be on Abraham, Abram, to find out the place that God was sending them was populated. Can you imagine that getting in there like, there's yogas everywhere. God told me he's going to get it to me. So I know he's like, man, I'm lost. And if you, you, when, when you go for God, there will be confusing things that happen on the journey. And you'll be like, now God, I done left every, you got people mad at me. I'm, and I done left Canaan. And God knows our fragility. He knows that when you go on a journey, you're going to need encouragement over and over and over again because you'll be, listen, you ever had a moment where you heard from God and you were excited, you was crying, and somebody rubbed you on the shoulder, you was happy, and you went, and then you was like, when you went, you felt the spirit until you saw the obstacle. Then the Holy Ghost just went, he's like, looking around like, looking, right? So look what the text shows us. says that it was filled with people. But what's crazy is, is that God allows, listen, even engineers obstacles to move you further forward. Now check out what happens. Next point, when God changes your story, you must chart keys, point, key points of confirmation. Look at what he says. He said, the Lord appeared to Abraham. I like that. He knew Abraham was tripping. Why? 
He went to land that he was supposed to give to him, but it was populated with people. So he was like, how in the world am I going to have some place that's populated? God loves to do crazy things in his eyes. But when we look at the obstacle that's going on, we tend to doubt our calling. And God is gracious enough to reaffirm our calling. So God, in the midst of that, appears to Abraham. Why does he appear to Abraham? Because he's going to need something. It's sometimes on my journey where I want to throw in the towel. And I tell God, I need something. I need a bird to fly, two, you know, I need one, a bird with one wing to be flying. Um, you know, I need three dogs in fight formation. Run. I like, I'll be asking for some credit. I like, God, I need the wind to blow and I need the temperature to be 62 degrees for me to notice your will. And so what God does is he initiates. He doesn't, Abraham doesn't ask. God just initiates and he speaks to him. And what I like about what he speaks to him is he gives him deeper understanding of the micro-narrative. Look what he does. He says, to your offspring, I'll give this land. Now, even though it's confusing, because there's people there, God speaks to him to give clarity about things. And what happens on your journey is many times on your journey, as God is calling you to his meta-narrative, what has to happen is you have to have key points of contact with God that help you to affirm. And when that happens, look what Abraham does. He says, so he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. I like that. So what he does is he journals so that because what's going to happen, the further you walk with God, God will say less to you subjectively. Because immaturity demands objectivity and subjectivity. But the more you grow and go, God does less subjectively and makes you depend on the objective. <laughs> And so, and so, and so what's gonna, what, you, what you have to do is you have to write down those subjective experiences to reaffirm the objective. Y'all not going to talk back to me. So what he, what he does is this altar, he's going to be around there one day, he's going to be like, I don't know why I'm here. And then he's going to see the altar. Oh, yeah, that's right. See, some of you got to write stuff down. When God does something significant, you got to write it down so that when you start doubting, you can go back to page 13 in, 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 in 2010 and look at the date and see the tear and coffee stains that you had when God spoke to you in that particular way to affirm the objectivity of a biblical calling that you had subjective circumstance pull in so that you can have an objective contact with the living God by reminding yourself that God did send you. You got, I'm telling you, because when hell breaks loose, you're going to need a word. And it's going to. I'm, I'm, I'm closing. I'm landing. I'm landing. He says, he built an altar there and says, from there he moved to the hill country. He, he moved to the hills. Sort of the, superb, the bur- suburban part of Canaan. He didn't like the hood too much. He said, people too close together around here, these row houses. He said, I'm moving to Chestnut Hill or the Northeast Extension. Or Overbrook Farms, I'm moving there. He said, on East Bethel, that's called House of God. He said, this is much better. Pitched his tent there, and Bethel on the west, and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. What I like about this is the first altar was for him. The second altar was for everybody else. How do I know? In the second altar, he yells God's name. He says, Yahweh loud, called upon the name of the Lord, to let people know I'm here for a different purpose than you. 
He said, my purpose here is not because this is a booming metropolis and because God's hand is on this place and because people are moving from the suburbs into the city and then building coffee shops and restaurants and microbreweries everywhere. The reason why I'm coming here is because God called me here. So boom, he calls upon the name of the Lord to let people know that I'm not here for a faddish reason. When you're called, you don't follow fads. You follow God. You can go to the most beautiful, populated, cool place. You can go to Atlanta. You can go to the Hollywood Hills. You can go to Miami. You can go to Brooklyn. You can go to Queens. You can go, to, you can go wherever you want to go. You can go to Center City. But if he hadn't called you there, you better not run after the beauty of it. Yes. <laughs> because man can redevelop, God can speak into existence. a difference it's a difference and so let's see what Jesus is ultimately Abraham like us point to him Jesus Christ the true Abraham the true father of many nations left 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 his country he left heaven perfectly perfectly left heaven. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't volunteer to die for us. God the Father came up with the plan. So he was obedient to his father who told him to go from his country, go from the kindred community of the Trinity, yet still being in some mystical deifying contact where he closed his Trinitarian personality with his oneness with God, yet distinct from the two persons into a body. And he didn't come here with any possessions. Abraham left with possessions. Christ came and made himself poor. So he left his clan, if you will. He left his kindred and he left his country to a backwater crib on earth. He didn't bring natural wealth with him. These fools that say Jesus was rich don't read the Bible. He left eternal wealth, dwelling in unapproachable light, sitting on a throne to a faraway country. And God didn't just show him the goal. He showed him every aspect of his journey because he could handle it. He knew he would be betrayed. He knew who would betray him. He knew how they were going to, he knew that they would take what he created and nail him to it. He spoke that wood into existence. And that very piece of wood that he spoke into existence, he got nailed to it. The stones. The stones that locked him away, he had to get pulled away. He could have just knocked them out the way with a word, but he allowed an angel to open it up for him. Mighty Christ, the mighty father of many, mighty in wealth, mighty in strength, mighty in power, mighty in magnification, mighty in kingdom essence, mighty in grace. Mighty in glory, mighty in mercy, mighty God. 
the mighty one made himself nothing and left everything so that we could have him as our everything. He's the true covenant father. He gave himself as a ransom for those who would curse him. He blessed them. He blessed those who cursed him, and every one of us cursed him on the cross. That's why he died on it. He became a curse so that we wouldn't be cursed. He, and through him, every nation is blessed. Only by faith in him will you be able to experience covenant blessing. Jesus Christ is the true changer of our story. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, your story has not been changed. Your story has a very bad enemy. It's called a tragedy. I don't care how good you have it on earth. If you don't know Christ as Savior, your, your, your story will be a tragedy of an ending with you opening up your eyes separate from God, experiencing eternal damnation under your sin. But Jesus Christ comes to hijack your story because he took on the tragedy of your sin on the cross took on your tragedy how your story was supposed to end Jesus Christ puts the weight of the damnation of your story on himself and he has a bad ending to his human life so that we wouldn't have a bad ending to our human life on the third day he gets up telling the new story that whoever puts their faith in the fact that God's wrath was poured out on him, they go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Every head bow and every eye closed.